0: Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. I just got fired up thinking about what is going to be sharing today. We're talking about the restoration of the soul. I want to tell you something. There is more in the Bible about God's desire to heal you emotionally than people have ever acknowledged, but I'm taking you down this path, and I'm giving you tools and resources because I'm telling you something, you can be whole, you can be well, you can come out of depression, you can come out of suicidal tendencies, you can come out of any type of emotional distress, and God maps you out a plan for it, so get ready, call your friends, put it on Facebook, send this link to everybody you know that's hurting because we're going to give you some tools that are really, really going to help you. And I'll be back in just a few minutes. Get ready. We're going to dive in. Be sure and get my free download, The Devastating Power of Pain. I want to help you get free from the power of pain in the past so that you can go into an incredible life. You know, we started this series out six weeks ago talking about the healing of the broken heart. We're still going there because we haven't even begun to tap into the fullness of what God wants to do to heal us emotionally. And let me remind you, Jesus came on the scene. His very first message was about healing the broken heart and basically what it would take for that to happen. And what amazes me is people have become so religious so detached from what the Bible really says, because you know we've we've had the Bible interpreted to us by religious people instead of paying attention to what Jesus had to say and instead of how Jesus interpreted the Bible. And we created this religious sterile concept of what it means to be a believer that is just not even close to what God's about. You know, so many people are turning away from God today because as far as they're concerned, God is not compassionate. He doesn't care about your hurts and all these kinds of things. And really, the majority of the world believes that their politically correct positions are more true than the Word of God. You know, most of the people who uh, vote, they vote to pass laws that are incongruent, inconsistent, and oppose God's truth. Because basically, without ever saying it, the belief is we're more righteous than God. We're more merciful than God. We are wiser than God. We are more just than God. And that's why we pass laws and have therapy and things that are totally violate what the Word of God says, because we think we're smarter and more just and more kind than God. Let me tell you something. Everything in the Word of God, every commandment in the Word of God was written so that we would know how to treat our neighbor because the first and greatest commandment is you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And that's not loving him the way you define love. It's loving him the way he defines love. But then it says you've got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, if I love my neighbor based on the Word of God, then the commandments aren't something I do to become righteous. They're not something I do to earn something. They are the definition of God's love and God's wisdom, and this is how I should treat my neighbor. So when you begin to rethink the Word of God from the perspective of Jesus' teaching... Now, keep in mind, when Jesus came on the scene, he did... What every rabbi would do when they were launched on their own ministry, they would come up with their own yoke of ministry. And their yoke of ministry was their interpretation and the application of the commandments. This is how you would apply the commandments. This is what they would look like. This is what they really, really mean. Well, remember, Jesus came on the scene and he said, look, no man's ever seen God, but the word... Jesus, as the Word, was with God, was God. They were face to face. They were one. And because He's seen God, He came and brought us truth. And truth is not new information. Truth is the application, the intention, what this really means, what this should really, really look like. So Jesus said, if, if you really want to understand how to apply the Word of God, if you really want to understand how to live the Word of God, then I'm going to show you. And that's when he said, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my bird's light. He's saying the way that I'm going to show you to understand the application of God's word is easy and it is light. And if you turn it into something legalistic, then you're not applying it the way Jesus taught us to apply it. You're not seeing it the way Jesus taught us to see it. But understand in Jesus' whole ministry of modeling, how he related to people. You know, he dealt with sin. He confronted people. Of course, the people he confronted the harshest were religious people who were twisting the Word of God, making it hard and burdensome and heavy and difficult. And boy, you know, he set their head on fire, man. He rebuked them. He challenged them. He challenged their doctrine. He was not afraid to take them to task. The sad thing is we take these scriptures where Jesus corrected and straightened out these mean, hard-hearted religious people, and we try to apply that to just the average believer, and it really doesn't fit. And we get this idea that God's mad. At at everybody, and I got news for you. God's not man. God is love at core, and He sent Jesus to prove that. But here's the deal: even when Jesus challenged and corrected people, and told them to get out of sin, and told them to stay out of sin, and warned them about their personal issues, He always did it. Number one, from the intention. Of restoring them. He always did it because he wanted to recover them. He always did it because it was always God's will to heal them from their hurts because it is your hurts that keeps you messing up. The unresolved pain of your past is what keeps you messing up. The unresolved pain of your past is not just the pain of your past because we've all got pain. It's the unresolved pain pain of your past. It's the place where you have not experienced the healing of your broken heart, or in the Old Testament, it might call it like the restoration of the soul, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But when the Bible talks about the soul, you read the word soul, and you know that the soul is that part of your being where your thoughts emerge, where your emotions emerge. Some people believe your will emerges from your soul, and it probably does because your choices and your willpower tend to follow your emotions to a certain degree. So, you know, we are not just spirits. You know, I I always hear people say, well, I'm a spirit being. Well, let me see you walk through the wall or something, because if you're a spirit being, you should be able to do that. The Bible didn't tell us that we were spirit beings. The Bible says that we are living souls. We should be spiritual beings, and we express our feelings and our interactions with people and our connection with people through our soul. And so our ability... To have healthy emotions all gets down to what's happening, of course, in our heart as a whole, but ultimately in the soul, in that part of us where we feel, and that part of us where we think. So the heart itself is part soul, half soul, I guess you'd say, and part spirit. And health comes when your spirit and your soul are one, when there is absolute harmony between your spirit and your soul. And in your soul, God has written all of his commandments. Everything, and not just the commandments, but all of his intentions and what those commandments imply, they have been written on your spirit and they emerge in the subconscious deep thoughts of the mind or of the soul to guide you And help you know the difference between right and wrong. It is your conscience that makes you know the difference between right and wrong. And whether a person knows God or doesn't know God, they have to violate their conscience to be cruel, to be mean, to be negative, to be hard, to be legalistic, all those kinds of things. So God wants us where our heart is whole and well and strong, which means we've been born again. Our spirit is now alive to God. Our spirit now has all that God is and all of God's truth embedded in it. And our soul, our mind, and our emotions are all aligned with that truth so that there is no disharmony within us. You know, Psalms 23, which is just such an incredible Psalm, Psalm 23 says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, If you've read my book, uh, Breaking the Cycle, you know, or many of my other teachings, you know that want or lack is at the root of all of our dysfunction because sin is when we feel lack. It's when we don't feel or sense that we are who God says we are. We don't have what God says we have. Can't do what God says we can do. So it says that as our shepherd, he always leads us away from want or lack. And then it begins to talk about what he does in provision for us. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. Those are metaphorical concepts that show us the life of easy and light, the life when we take on Jesus' yoke, this is what our internal life should look like. But here's the key thing, and and here's how he does this. Verse 3 of Psalm 23 says, He restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, the legalist would say, if you'll walk down these paths of righteousness, then your soul will get restored. Well, there's some truth to that. But the reality is you won't walk down paths of righteousness until your soul has been restored. Just like Jesus came on the scene with his very first message and said, I'm here to heal your broken heart. Just like when he gave the job description, so apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we are to make people whole and equip them for ministry. From the very beginning, God's desire has been to restore our soul. So listen. I'll be back in just a few minutes. I'm going to tell you about this great series that I've got for this. Man, I'll tell you, I hope you know that in these television sessions, I give you everything I can, but there's always more, 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 more in these series that we go into. So I'll be back in just a few minutes. As I already told you, Freedom from Emotional debt is one of those series that's going to be a life changer for you. You are going to get the tools to finally overcome the pain of your past, finally stop dragging all of this emotional baggage around that you've had all of your life. No need for counseling, no need for deliverance, no need to keep trying to work it through because you're gonna find the solutions and you and Jesus are gonna work this out yourself. You wanna get this today. So just stop and think about it. One of God's highest goals for you is to restore your soul. As a matter of fact, before God even tries to lead you in the application of righteousness, he makes you righteous. You get the gift of righteousness. But here's the thing that the Bible plays out. And we even know this from good research today is that hurting people are always dysfunctional on some level. And so, The whole idea that religion tells you of you got to go do everything right to please God. If you'll go do everything right to please God, then maybe you'll make him happy enough that he'll heal you. He'll stop you from hurting. Man, that is really pretty sick. See, God's a God of love and God is going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that means that all that the Holy Spirit is comes inside you when you're born again which means he brings in the righteousness of Christ into you. He brings in the grace, the power of God. All the power that God used to create all the heavens, the earth, all that exists comes into you the moment that you're born again. And God's first priority is that you believe in your heart what you have in Jesus. Because, see, we have this idea that when God says, You know, I want to restore your soul. We have this idea that this is some kind of magic function. It's where we have nothing to do with it. We don't make any decisions. We don't interact. You know, we don't believe. We get saved, and God is just supposed to do this stuff totally independent of how I think, feel, or what kind of decisions that I make. You know, that is just absolutely ludicrous. It is not based on any biblical model that we have in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It is nowhere in the Scripture. As a matter of fact, the Scripture warns us of the completely opposite of this. You will stop and think about it. The nation of Israel was a type and a shadow of the kingdom of God. It was an outward manifestation of what God wanted to do within us as people because the kingdom... Is within. God wanted the children of Israel to leave Egypt, which is a type of the world. He wanted them to leave Egypt and he wanted them to make an 11-day journey into what he called the promise or what was called the promised land. Why they called it the promised land? Because it comes to you as a promise. It is promised to you. And so in the promised land, God said, I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't plant. And I'm going to go before you and drive the enemy out of this land. And then I'm going to show you, once you get there, I'm going to give you the laws of the kingdom. And by governing the kingdom through these laws, you're going to be such an incredible force that all the nations of the world are going to come and they're going to bow down before you and you're going to be safe and they're going to be confounded by your wisdom and by what a wonderful nation you are. Now, all of that is a type or a shadow of what God wants to do in us. God wants us to come to Him and trust Him and make this journey from the world to the promised land. Now, going from being lost to being saved man, that's that quick. But going from the world's way of doing things to the promised land, that's a journey that involves renewing your mind. That's a journey that involves healing that happens in your heart and coming to a place where you trust God fully and where you will follow God fully. Now, if you go into the book of Hebrews, the third and fourth chapter of Hebrews, God says something that kind of the way translations work out, it sounds much, much harder than it really is. It sounds like an indictment against God. But over and over, God says, I swore that they could not enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. Now, see, we read that and we say, God was so mad, he just made up his mind that they were never going to go into the promised land. No, he swore that they couldn't enter the promised land because of their unbelief. You see, the problem was, in order for them to make it to the promised land, which was an 11-day journey, they had to trust God. However God said to handle every situation, every enemy, every opposition, every problem, they were to trust God and handle it that way so that He could bring them into this place of rest, into this promised land. But if they did not trust Him, there was nothing That he could do. And so the Bible talks about how they hardened their heart against God and just remained in this state of unbelief. And basically, they put God on trials. Can God really do what He said? Well, no, I don't think He can. So they didn't trust God. So if we don't trust God, then we won't follow God. If we don't trust God, even when we follow God, it'll be at a distance and we'll still do things the way we think they should be done instead of how He tells us to do them. That's why so many Christians struggle today. You know, there's millions, if not billions, of people that call themselves Christian. But you know what? I don't meet many people that claim to be or even want to be disciples because they have no intention of saying, you know what? This is how the Word of God says I should handle these situations. I trust God. This is how I'm going to handle it. Now, I don't meet people that want to do that. I meet people that say, well, I know the Bible says that, but you know, this is the 21st century or my circumstance is different or my situation is different. And so the problem is we never leave the world system. So we never really enter the promised land. We never enter that place where there is rest for our soul. We never enter that place where we cease from our own labors and and cease from straining and striving to making things happen to be able to come to that place where we labor to enter into rest. And the laboring is dealing with our unbelief. The laboring is dealing with what we believe about God, what we believe about the world, all of those kinds of things. But the moment we believe the truth and completely surrender ourselves, I got news for you. At that moment, we enter the promised land. That 11-day journey that took them for 40 years can become an instant transformation for us because transformation happens when you believe. And once your soul is restored, then following Him in paths of righteousness, that word righteousness just means how it should be, following Him in paths of how to get the chaos out of your marriage, following Him in paths of being healthy and more energetic, following Him in paths of being a better friend, a better father, a better daughter, a better mother, you know, a better sibling. Following them in these paths of great relationships and peace and a great life is really incredibly easy when we are not constantly being pulled away by the world system, the way the world does stuff that we are holding on to in our mind. But the key you got to know is this. There's not one hardship you're going through that is God's will. There's not one pain or suffering, even if you deserve it from your past. Jesus declared the year of jubilee where all debts are paid. And in the context that he quoted that, he's not talking about financial debts. He's talking about emotional debts. He's talking about the pain that controls and dominates your life from the past. That's all paid. You don't have to pay the emotional debt. For your past. Now, there's going to be people out there, yeah, they're going to hold things against you, but you know what? God's not going to hold things against you, and you can have peace in your heart no matter what people around you are doing. You know, an interesting scripture that from time to time it'll pop up on the radar, but 3 John 2, the Apostle John was writing to the church, and he says, Beloved, I pray, or in the New King James, other translation, say, that you may prosper in all things and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Now, that's a pretty amazing thing. If you go to the book of Proverbs, and you know, Proverbs is just one of those books that honestly, for at least 10 years, you should read a chapter every day out of a different translation and just meditate on that chapter and just say, what does this have to do with my life today? Is there anything in here that I can apply right now? Proverbs is so full of scriptures about the heart, about the soul, about the mind, about the emotions. And, you know, Proverbs talks about how a merry heart does good like a medicine. Proverbs talks about how that stress and strife and all of these things affect your physical health and how that peace and joy, all of these things affect you in a really positive, wholesome way. And the truth is our physical health our prosperity is all very directly linked to what's happening in our soul. Because remember, Jesus has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So it's all ours. There's no question of trying to get anything else from God. The question is, what is it that I'm focused on? What is it I'm obsessed with? What is it I'm holding on to that is an obstruction to a better life for me? How much unforgiveness am I holding on to this? There's no room in me to experience the love of God. There's no room in me to experience prosperity when I'm stingy and... and you know, resist generosity and when I cheat and steal and lie. There's no room in me for great friendships when I take advantage of people and hurt people. You see, you can't sow two seeds in the same furrow. You can't sow hate and love in the same furrow. They cancel each other out. You can't sow a prosperity and stinginess in the same furrow. They cancel each other out. You can't sow contradictory emotions, feelings, beliefs, and ideas in the same furrow and expect anything at all to happen in your life. I want to tell you something. God wants you to be healed. God wants you to be free from hurting. God does not want you paying the price for your past. He wants you to start over and not to start over legally, not to start over technically. He wants you to start over with a soul that is healed. He wants you to start over as somebody who is free from lack, to your emotional day is laying down in green pastures and and lying beside of still waters and sitting down at a table that he's prepared for you. That's the way that he wants you to experience life internally. And you absolutely can do that. And everything that I'm teaching you always takes you to this place. Listen, I'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. Man, I really hope you're going to get this series, Freedom from Emotional Debt, because I'm going to give you access to some free things to add to the series. That's going to give you some exercises to do so that you will see some immediate results. You will instantaneously put an end to your pain. Be sure and get this series today. I want you to understand we are called, all ministers are called to make disciples unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that we do is designed to do this. We don't have a codependent step in anything that we do because we're not teaching you to rely on me or us or on this ministry. We're teaching you how to walk with Jesus for yourself. I want you to understand something. We give you everything that we can give you in these broadcasts in the time that we have. But many people want to go deeper, and this is why we have series. That's why we always have series. And in our series, you're going to get stuff that is beyond what we have time to do publicly. So the real truth is when you buy a series that has six messages in it, the truth is you're going to get those six messages plus what I'm teaching you here. And sometimes you're going to get free downloads. But more importantly, you're going to invest in yourself and those resources are going to be used to change the way the world sees God. You know, one of the greatest challenges that there is is telling people something that they think they already know. And I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm not saying this to be insulting. But as I said earlier in this message, I am seeing that people don't get healed from their hurts because, in fact, they have never made Jesus Lord. Now, when you make Jesus Lord, you're saying... I am a disciple and I take your yoke upon me. I'm not rejecting the commandments of God. I'm going to apply them from the motive and intention of love. And this is how I'm going to start treating people. And I'm going to take how you showed God to be. Somebody always wants to heal, always wants to deliver, always wants to help. I'm going to take this image of God that you've shown. And I'm going to accept all the promises of God. And I'm going to declare my freedom from all the curses. And this is the God I'm going to believe in. This is the me I'm going to believe in. This is the life I'm going to believe in. And even if it never works, even if this never produces in my life, what I might hope it produces, this is what I choose because you are my Lord. See, this is the only path to the promised land. And I'll tell you something. The days that lie ahead, and it probably won't come in 2016. We might see some challenging things. I think 2016 is probably going to be a year where we get an opportunity to maybe get out of debt, an opportunity to pay off bills, an opportunity to deal with some things. And I don't know how much time we have, but I'll tell you, the Bible says today don't harden your heart. Today listen to His voice. Today follow Him. I want to live in the promised land today. I want you to live in the promised land today, which means... My broken heart is healed. My chaotic soul, my crazy thinking and my crazy emotions are at peace because I'm making, connecting to God. I'm making having a relationship with God the first and most important thing in my life. And, you know, when Jesus is Lord, really, you're making the decision. Nothing will hinder that relationship. It will be first above all.